0: All right. What is up, everyone? What's up, Dean? Mate, How- everything's up. Everything's up. Except, except the stock market. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, this, man, it's uh, It's brutal out there, huh? Uh, we're in correction territory
1: on the Nasdaq, so, which kind of had to happen. You know, it's been epic for so long. And uh, so for all the reasons that everybody is reading, you know, inflation, this and supply chain and Omicron <laughs> and like, it. you know, a little correction
0: is is not that bad. yeah and normally it's what sort of like high growth tech leads it and then it just starts making its way down into the rest of the, the rest of the market yeah. right so even like apple's down a fair amount this week and yeah i mean no you know that we, we don't give investing advice yes. here
1: and so we <laughs> we,
0: we roll out this my, my only advice. investing advice is uh <laughs> trade on current events basically is is my investing advice just like from last i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say, my, my advice is the opposite, yeah. <laughs> like buy stuff and hold it for 30 I years. I zero, <laughs> zero investing advice, zero. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Although um, you'll be pleased to know I bought
1: my first, other than the Doge mm-hmm, kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, like a year or two ago, <laughs> which I kind of rode and did pretty well on, but it got out yep. of, um, I, I bought my first Ethereum.
0: Nice. Yeah, it's yeah. a good time because it's been really on a downtrend in, for the last month or so. You know, right? it's been on the dip, and I'm like, I got inspired by all your
1: NFT mm-hmm. madness, yep. and so I'm like, well, I, I better get some Ethereum going. So, yes.
0: lit up the old, you know, Robinhood account yeah. and uh, like bought got ten grands with. I think you have three grands. now. Now you officially have to change all of your screen names and handles online to DeanSweetman.eth. And that's that's is, is that what that is? I wanted if that's what that was. I keep seeing it. I can't I just can't I can't get myself to do it. I just can't. I can't I might do, I might do that yeah. though. Like I'm legit now. I have three coins. Mm-hmm. And you can buy now you and you can buy DeanSweetman.eth. So you can have your own. Oh, uh, e- I'll send you a link on how to oh, get it. Man. It's like I think it's probably like two hundred bucks. What two hundred bucks worth of what do eight. I where do I get that? It's um I'll send you the link it uh it's pretty easy totally. to do yeah I better do it before this goes live because someone else is exactly going to claim they're it. gonna try and sell it back to you for triple, the, triple oh my god um I,
1: I've spun up um and this is kind of breaking news here I've spun up deansweedman.com oh nice uh it's not public yet, okay. but um I'm just taking a lot of the stuff I'm writing around generosity and markets and free markets
0: and mm-hmm. socialism mm-hmm. and uh, and you're doing that right now Bible on and- Facebook Instagram and yeah, twitter I'm, right I'm jamming it up yeah. you know here and there but uh i'm just getting a little
1: more serious about writing good content mm-hmm. again and you know and I, I think as i get older i'm just
0: getting a little more outspoken you know there you go I care less what people think, yeah so there you go <laughs> otherwise known as <laughs> old white fart syndrome exactly are, are they are you getting any pushback from like yeah that's yeah. great yeah
1: i love getting pushback <laughs> but it's it's like i mean my audience is pretty like friendly so it's probably 85 positive there you go but, you get the occasional. If
0: I really slap, you know, socialism around, mm-hmm. um, it provokes a few people. Right there, you go. That's fine. Yeah. Once it's up, we'll, uh, you know, we'll start linking yeah. to it. That's awesome. I think people yeah, would, totally. would love that. Um, speaking of writing, I want to, I want to read to you a tweet that I read yesterday. I thought, um, I thought you'd like it. So this is a guy. His name's. His Twitter handle is sweaty startup. Right, and his whole right. sort of thing is. Stop trying to do the glamorous thing. He, you know, buys and invests in storage units. And, you know, he's just sort of like, I think he lives in like Idaho or Ohio. And basically is like, right. for all the flashy businesses, you can make a really good living doing very basic right. stuff. Um, and he's developed quite a, bit of a, quite a bit of a following. So he tweeted the other day, stop reading about entrepreneurship, listening to entrepreneurs talk, researching business ideas and studying companies. Stop all of it because none of it matters if you aren't doing anything go out and yep. make $1,000, do something simple to make <laughs> money. And then he goes on to just say, and to all of you engineers, perfectionists, and overthinkers, I have a special message for you. Business doesn't have to be perfect. It never is. It isn't black and white. It isn't like code. Just ship it, dive in, embrace the uncertainty. So um, right. that echoes a lot of correct. what you have been saying on this on this podcast week to week. And I actually love the challenge of like, go make $1,000. <laughs> That's
1: right. That, that is really good. Or go get 100 100- like people using your product, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Look, you know, it just, there's a couple of things that, I, you know, I think we always want to endorse. One of them is just get moving. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about um, Frank Slootman's new book in a little Mm -hmm. bit. Um, And you just got to get going, Mm -hmm. right? And if you ever want to be an entrepreneur, it's really hard. It's hard to start a business. It's hard to grow a business. It's, It's, and the problem is, is that we, Look at the really successful, you know, reports in the media about this startup or that startup. For every one of those, there's, you know, thousands of them that don't make mm-hmm. it. And for every IPO, there's thousands of companies that just stay boutique businesses. Right. And they're family-owned and they're owned by a couple of people. And you maybe you don't get funding and, and maybe you just build a business mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. that is going to mm-hmm provide for you and your family Mm -hmm. there is nothing wrong with that When
0: did question on that really quickly when did that change would it have been probably i guess myspace facebook that changed kind of the sentiment around you know people under the age of 30 wanting to build the next unicorn as opposed to just going like man i can actually build a small business and make a lot of money doing it i look look, with the scale of the internet
1: you know so web 1.0 2.0 now we're at web3 as the internet has scaled the ease of which to be able to I read a a nutty thing this morning, I think 80 something billion is the profit Apple makes from the App Store. Wow. Which means they're creating billions and billions and billions of dollars, Mm -hmm. and many millionaires of people who build apps, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So in uh, iPhone 07, App Store, 08 really kind of, you know, got cooking in 2010. Mm -hmm. In the last 12 years, the app marketplace has probably created more millionaires than any other platform Mm -hmm. in history. So it's just the scale of tech and, and, you know, what you're able to do. But, you know, I always want to be careful in this podcast to not just focus on tech, even though we we love tech and we're tech heavy. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of great businesses out there um, that, you know, provide terrific, revenue Mm -hmm. and income and employ people and give them benefits and provide great jobs. And, you know, if you're a tradesman, like if you if you're a builder, Mm -hmm. if you're a plumber, if you're a, um, you know, strive to build a great one man business, and then strive to get to 20, Mm -hmm. people, you know, in your business, it's all the same. And I think the whole passion for us, you know, King kings and priests is about let's get a bunch of kings Mm -hmm. in the in the kingdom Mm -hmm. who are out there in the Mm -hmm. world you know, working hard, generating wealth mm-hmm. and making sure they're generous with that okay. wealth to, to build the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, we want to encourage all, all kinds of business.
0: Let's just talk briefly. And I want to jump into these these kind of other two topics, especially that book. And then I'm going to get some business advice from you. So but before we do that, there's yeah, yeah. the uh, this new Y Combinator deal. So um, it has yep. been all over the Internet. And um, there's a lot of detail to it that probably doesn't really matter. Uh, but for someone like me who sees it and sees all the traffic around Twitter and all the conversation, I found myself going, Okay, is this that big of a deal? What does it mean? Does it really even matter? So basically the idea is Y Combinator has, you know, announced a plan to invest more capital into startups that take part in its accelerator program. Um, and I guess it's been just, just maybe to explain,
1: Yeah. And you can go and find out what Y Combinator is. It's a it's a group of really smart people who have Built companies and understand, and then we're in the tech world here. Mm-hmm. um And if you've got a, a product that you've built and you're just getting started, you can enter their program. It's a, it's hard to get in, and they will literally, in you know, give you money and invest in your startup, and will connect you to VCs and will let you talk to other founders. It's like, it's like Crash Course University for tech founders mm-hmm. to accelerate. Mm-hmm. What they want to do is they want to take your app, they want to take your software, your SaaS, your idea, and basically accelerate it by a couple of things, giving you cash, and that's gone from 125 grand to three seventy-five, mm-hmm. which is a pretty big money. Mm-hmm. which tells me there's still tons of money around right. for, like like the moral of this is there's lots of money around. Right. And so as, when you see the public markets gyrate and go up and down, mm-hmm. just kind of, you got to understand that there's trillions of dollars sitting out there in the private markets that are looking to invest from the seed stage all the way through to late stage, mm-hmm. you know, prior to mm-hmm. IPO. So this there's trillions of dollars around to for, for growing businesses. So um, you know, that's what this tells me. And,
0: you know, mm-hmm. I, I think there's there's yeah, still a ton of capital yep. to 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 invest in all stages. Yep. And so that's basically someone like myself who's early stages starting a company, nowhere near going to a Y combinator or anything like that at right. this point. The basically the signal from this is uh the details don't really matter. There's money out there people are still believing in startups regardless of what the rest of the market is is saying so essentially be encouraged and keep building huh
1: big time and there's probably been more angel funds so an angel fund typically might deploy 10 million 20 million they're writing checks of 50 to 250 Mm -hmm. right um early stage maybe pre-product if you've got a track record um maybe you've got a product in the wild and you you know you're trying to find your product market fit and all that all the stuff that we've talked about so you know, tons and tons of money out there. Cool, cool.
0: Talk to me about this uh, book. And I have to say, I started watching an interview last night. I got about 20 minutes in and um, Mm -hmm. uh, honestly fell asleep, but not because the interview was boring because it was, you know, almost midnight. But um, all Mm -hmm. right, so talk to me about this book. I wanna hear, I wanna hear about it. You, I think, watched an interview, read, and actually really sent this around to a lot of your team, so. I did, and let's give a shout out to this podcast that we both listened to. Mm -hmm. Um, pretty religiously,
1: yep. I, it, I've learned more on this week in startups, mm-hmm. which is a guy Jason Calcanis, yep. um, and and he's connected to another podcast that we love called the All mm-hmm. In Podcast. A little controversial. I was going to say my Had
0: some. I may, may not comment on. <laughs>
1: um, but you know, so Calcanis is probably the number one angel investor of all time. Mm-hmm. He's made three hundred angel investments, things like Robin Hood yep. and um uber like uh, like you're talking like early mm-hmm. signage,
0: like calm the calm so map. He, one thing I, what i love about him is he's very um well he started out as a journalist right yeah. um and yep. he so he doesn't have a traditional business background he has kind of almost like backdoored his way into he, he totally to hust- doing hustled his way in and is basically just using this platform to learn and also to just share so much wisdom um well, he,
1: yeah, and it's a deal for mm-hmm.
0: him, right? yeah. Like,
1: it, it's it, the genius of his podcast is everybody listens to it, and and then they then he now he's got incubators and angel funds and syndicates yep. and all this kind of stuff. He's just kind of parlayed everything into basically this giant funnel mm-hmm. to find deals to mm-hmm. invest in. I am um, part of his one of his funds, cool. you know, mm-hmm. and I get deals coming across my desk, and that's awesome. I've made some investments in some of his yep. stuff, so. But anyway, um, this interview. If you don't, if you don't subscribe um this week in startups and go to the uh I, maybe we can put it yeah, in the notes we'll link to it in um, the notes for sure yeah just link to this so Frank Slootman um did a bunch of things really smart guy took some other companies you know into the multi-billion dollar valuation um started a company called snowflake mm-hmm. which is go to their website it's like super high-end AI around big data mm-hmm. this is all and,
0: and that was one of the biggest IPOs it. last year right or was that 2020 yeah. 2020 or 2021 Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, and I think it was a direct listing and I think it was the biggest. Oh, was out. it? Okay. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, this guy's a gun, he's, he's old school, mm-hmm. right? So when you listen to this, if you're a, if, I love how his company's called Snowflake. <laughs> he's the and opposite he's, of that. And he's
0: like slaps, yeah. he's slapping Snowflakes. Yeah. I don't know if that's just a coincidence. Yeah. I just love his desk it, I, in I, the interview. It's just the solid Oak, like just, yeah. just
1: old school, old school, yeah. man. Right. Yeah. He could be, he could be in the fifties, um, he's an immigrant mm-hmm. from Holland. He came to the US in the 80s. He just loved the the awesomeness of America and big thinking and vision and free market and get off your butt and go and do stuff. Um, and so, you know, he's been very successful over many years. And so his, he is absolutely the opposite of what has been trending um, in the last 10 years, especially around we've talked about this everybody gets a trophy culture. Millennials don't want to, you know, they've had it cushy and this and this. I don't Like, don't want to offend anyone. And he just smacks that right in the face. And um, so um, he talks about, you know, as a leader, ownership. He's always like trying to 10x, you know, product market fit and and, and products glacier versus aggressive change. Mm-hmm. So he his thesis is that things move too slow. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you live and I haven't read the book yet, I, I, I got the, um, audio book and I'm, I've just started, mm-hmm. started it, but essentially he's, he's like, get moving mm-hmm. amp everything mm-hmm. up, which is the name of the book and, mm-hmm. um, and just get off your blessed, you know, blessed assurance mm-hmm. and get going. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, you know, su- prioritized high focus, deliver clarity of mission. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's brutal on employees. fit. Mm-hmm. Like if it's not work, working, and, and this is true, people don't like to confront. It's, uh, you know, I always err on the side of caution when, you know, if, if someone's not fitting in the organization, you've got to let them go. I take too long to let Good. it go. That's a bit my nature. I think it's everyone's. Yep. No one likes firing people or you should right. <laughs> because it's right. not very nice. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, soup, like stretch goals. Like, honestly, it's, it's kind of so 80s and mm-hmm. 90s. It's, it's refreshing yeah. for, for me because that's that's kind of how I grew yeah. up.
0: But. One of the articles I read about this, and I don't remember if it was on the uh, This Week in Startups or something else. They just talk about how he like walks into board meetings, right? So he'll like, walk into a board meeting and just say, uh, all right, we don't have a lot of time. I'm not going to share with you any of the good things that are happening because you already know. Yep. Here are my top 10 biggest problems. Let's talk about them and let's get this thing over with as quickly as possible. And kind of sort of like, yep. hey, by the way, don't bother me until the next board meeting. Um, yep. And he's just, yep. he's... Uh, he's a savage in the best kind of way in the best kind of way just direct Mm -hmm. like
1: you know if he's 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 sitting through this goals presentation and it's slide after slide he's like this is a nightmare Mm -hmm. tell me the one thing Mm -hmm. that you want to get done in this quarter or this half or this year and and let's throw everything at that Mm -hmm. what's the most important thing Mm -hmm. ah man that kicked my butt you know we're we're on our side doing all our kind of presentation and goals today actually on our company all in. And, um, and it's like, you know, I, I do have two main things that I've kind of wanted to focus the whole company on, but every department has this and this and this and yes. this. And man, you just got to keep the main thing, the main mm-hmm. thing. And then when you've done it, cross it off, go to the next main yep. thing.
0: That's and, great. Uh, yeah, Th- that's how this it. thing here, you say, um, it says leading for unprecedented growth means declaring war on mediocrity. Um, yeah. so I want to ask you, a question about that. And I know Ben Horowitz in uh, his book talks about the different I think it's the hard thing about hard things, which is just another really good um, book on culture. He talks about the difference between a peacetime CEO and a wartime CEO, Um, which I guess basically that hyper growth company, you're pretty much a quote, unquote, wartime CEO. Um, Talk to me about how you have maybe gone in and out of hyper growth, you know, breaking the status quo, pushing everybody. um, I guess like, like, when do you press that button? And then when do you release? And then how do you just set everybody's expectations? This is the kind of company we are, right, you know, and kind of either participate, or this may not be the place for you, you know, so it's, it's interesting to me
1: when you're growing fast. It's it's almost feels like peacetime because it's all coming to you. Mm -hmm. Right? You're early to market. There's not a lot of competitors. You found product market fit, and the thing explodes. It, you, you're not going out taking ground; it's just falling into your lap. It, in my head, the wartime stance is when growth slows. You've got competitors, and you want to grow twenty percent year on year plus. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of a, the war fitting on how I think of it. When it's all when you're in hyper growth, you're just taking orders. You're just mopping it up. You know whether it's a direct to consumer product or a B2B, whatever it is. So um, you, you know, early stage is hopefully you get the hyper growth and then you're just trying to catch up. And, um, you know, that getting something out the door, you know, kind of stuff that we were talking about there before, it's like having having a product that works but being will, willing to iterate. Now, you know, this guy actually said an interesting thing and he does really big things, but they start building as if there was nothing. Everything's from scratch. What would you build? Like if you were tasked to build a Rolls Royce from scratch, you wouldn't cut any corners. You'd go in with the best materials, the best systems, the best platform, the best, best, and you come out with this thing. If you're well-funded and you've done this a few times, that's the way Mm -hmm. to go. If you're scrappy bootstrapping, starting from nothing, you find the play, you got to get something out the door, right? And and basically, you know, have this product that maybe half sucks Mm -hmm. that you try and iterate on very quickly to get customers in, and and you know there's a way to do that you get your customers engaged and you admit the truth hey this is beta hey this is you know 1.0 we'd love your feedback on how to make the product better consumers love that mm-hmm. but they'll, they're willing to kind of deal with buggy stuff that doesn't work if you engage with them and let them know that you're going here and this is where we want to end up mm-hmm. and we're not here today mm-hmm. um but essentially you, you basically the mediocrity thing once you get out the door and you're getting going, you really want to just build quality stuff. Here's the hard thing, quality costs, right? It's not, you can't, you can't half do quality. It's expensive. Mm -hmm. So you either got to be making a profit and pouring it back into the product or you got to go get funding. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's the challenge for, you know, for founders and startups and the knowing the stage of where you are on the way and deciding, man, and then you've got like the marketplace. So you've got competitors, maybe they're really well-funded and they're coming at you at a thousand miles an hour. And you've got to make kind of decisions around, man, I need to, you know, I need to get this product better. Otherwise, I'm going to get run over here. And look, that's that's the bloodbath of the free market man right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: this winners and losers yeah. let's um let's take this down there's a slide on our uh, on our doc here I want to go through because it actually really does break it down uh really mm-hmm. practically for people who honestly lead large organizations who are doing a solopreneur thing um and I really like this so essentially this is you know according to this book the secret to leading uh growth is your mindset Um, and I really like that. So the first one is raise your standards, which we've essentially talked a bit about know when the standard needs to be really high and know when the standard needs to be, it's gotta be good enough to get it out into the world and get some feedback back. And I think that can, that can be anything that can be, you know, uh, writing, writing online, that can be creating content that can be shipping product. It can be anything, which is just like, you know, um, pick up the pace. Um, that one made me laugh (laughs) because, um, I had a boss one time and we would always laugh because when he wanted something quick, he would follow it up in all caps, now, now, now. (laughs) Which basically just meant, I don't want you to have any questions about how quickly, 100%. One hundred percent. Only boomers do all caps, okay? I try and avoid it like the play, but honestly, that's the first time you're Us millennials think that we're, you know, being yelled at there, right? Millennials can't handle the text if there's not an exclamation point on the the back end of it. Boomers are just, you know. Um, But he learned that from, he had a company with Steve Wynn for many years uh, when he was, like, in his 30s. And one thing he learned about Steve Wynn was every single thing had to be done now. And, and yeah. that was the way he led. It. Obviously, in a lot of times that caused chaos, but also it, it got it stuff done quick. But that would be, we'd see an email, subject line, now, now, now. And that was now, what now, we now. knew
1: was- I love it. Was... Look, there's times for chaos, man, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like in in my world, chaos is like, we're trying to launch a new product or, or a new version of a product. And you've worked on it for six months and you've got these deadlines. And we do these public events where we trying to, like we wanna announce stuff mm-hmm. and you're, like, you're getting down and like marketing's done everything, you've done everything ready to go. And like, man, you like, that's chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't live in permanent chaos. You gotta have seasons where you take a breath. You know, we have this thing in, in software called the cool down. You've literally worked six months, you've got it out the door. And then now you're gonna take a breath for a couple of weeks, which doesn't sound like a very long time get some feedback from the market, fix a few bugs, get it polished up again and get it looking even better. So yeah, chaos is fine, Mm -hmm. but it can't
0: be permanent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) right, right. Sharpen your focus is the next one. And this is one that is really relevant, uh, especially for me, right? Like waking up every day, especially if you're in the really early stages of something, it's generally you by yourself. There's, uh, you know, just the day-to-day administrative stuff. There's the growth, there's the nuts and bolts. And like, I have found myself waking up every day going, okay, what what's the focus today oh these five right. things well no I, I can't get all these five things done today so what's the you know what's the one thing so right. um talk to me about i guess just in your situation and i know that that focus probably changes you know from month to yep. month maybe even week to week but how do you determine uh this is what my focus is i ask myself a couple questions
1: what am i building mm-hmm. right like what 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 am i doing oh i have a i have a uh a software app that is going to help people give. That's what I'm doing, right? That was the early days. Um, I wasn't doing anything else. That's what we were building. So what am I doing and how, how am I going to get there? Right? Like, and I, I work from the end back. So, you know, so if you know where you're going, go there in your mind. And then how many steps Mm -hmm. are there between where you are today and where you want to be? Mm -hmm. And you might do a three-month thing, you might do a 12-month thing, right? There's, there's, you know, rarely you're going out beyond like two years, mm-hmm. right? you just like, I'm building this. This is where I want to be in 12 months. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. what have I got to do to get there? Mm-hmm. In, in the early stage of our business, you know, we had a crappy website. First thing we had to do was rebuild the website. Um, the app worked. It was fine. We just weren't doing any marketing very well. Uh, so we had to get some, you know, marketing in place. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so yeah, I think it's good and I still, so fast forward when your business gets some maturity and you get customers and you get revenue and maybe hopefully you're profitable or whatever, you're asking yourself kind of the same questions, but they mean that they lead to different answers. Mm -hmm. You know, what am I building, right? Am I, is that built? Okay. What am I building now? Mm -hmm. Does this need fixing? Is there maintenance involved? Okay. I'm going to maintain Mm -hmm. that. Do I, do I need 2.0 of whatever I'm doing? Um, and it's the same process. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, this is where I want to be. So these are the things i got to do to get mm-hmm. here.
0: The last one is align your people. So, um, for some yeah. people that's just aligning yourself, <laughs> aligning you. Yep. And then in some instances yep. it's aligning three or five or 10, or in your case, <clears throat> you know, a couple hundred people, yep. um, what does that look like? That's the most difficult part is it's easy to have a focus and a vision in your head, but it's sort yeah. of the communication. And not just the communication, but the systems and, and the processes to get everybody aligned on the same,
1: on the same thing. Look, this is, this is a law. Mm -hmm. The law is no one, if you're a founder, um, no one is going to want it, build it, do it, sell it, market it, be as passionate as you. Mm -hmm. Right? So from, if you're at a hundred, it's going all down from there all the way to, you know, you got a thousand person company and you got a janitor. Like, how hard is it to make him passionate about the widgets or the services or whatever you're doing mm-hmm. than the founder? Right. It's impossible, mm-hmm. right? So, all these rah-rah books about, man, I want your mission and everyone's going to be pumped mm-hmm. and they're all going to work the Say the same mission and- statement every day the minute they walk through the doors. Every day. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, now let me flip there. So, my belief is, if the founder is is a hundred out of a hundred in passion, belief go, you know, it's going down. Mm-hmm. Just be real about it. Mm-hmm. So how many people can you get in the ninety percentile, you know, of the passion and focus and desire to see this thing win? Um, you know, it's good to have a co founder. That's the first thing I learned. Like the but the boomer kind of thing is going to do it on your own, be your own man, be your own life. That's out the window. It's proven now that when you have two or even three mm-hmm. or even four mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. co-founders, now you've got more than one at a hundred. now you've got two or three people that are as passionate as you. so you okay, you've got to split the equity at the beginning of a project, but it you have you know the Bible talks about the power of compound, Mm -hmm. you know, energy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when you, one could put a thousand, two can put 10,000. Like this is exponential thing Mm -hmm. when you, so have co-founders and then, you know, early on, you're going to have senior kind of people that you bring in to try and build your business. And you've just, you got to start with something you believe in, and then you just got to have the ability to be able to sell that Mm -hmm. as the organization grows. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's hard to do. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's something you'll, you know, and you'll have people that it'll stay for a year or three. And, you know, they'll go to do another job mm-hmm. and because they've got a better offer and they'll, they got offered more money and you're devastated because man, weren't we in for the mission? They're like, you know, the mission is my family and I, I get a yeah. 20 grand kind of opportunity yeah. to, to make more yeah. money. Like, and so the mission, your mission didn't really matter to me that right. much. So keep it all in perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously while you have people working for you, keep them aligned around the main thing as best you can and keep it positive and care for them and shepherd them and you know like you're going to do in in any exercise and uh take them on the journey with Mm -hmm.
0: you all right the book is called amp it up and we're going to link to that in the show notes um we'll probably even link to a couple of those interviews just so people can kind of get it from yeah i think so from all context um awesome okay so now i'm going to get some advice from you i um Am I in the advice business? You, you are in the advice business. You're in okay. the advice. You, you are officially in the, and screaming. the advice business. So, okay, I had this little side hustle that I started with a couple of friends at the beginning of COVID. And we're kind of stuck as to what to do with it. Do we do anything with it? Do we shut it down? Uh, or do we try and kind of rebreathe some life into it? So I want to kind of give you an overview of what the journey has been so far. And I'm okay. the king of context. So just tell me to get on with it if you're getting all the context. All right. Context you need. Okay. So a couple of buddies been friends forever. Uh one of them is a successful entrepreneur. He owns like five for the the sort of highest grossing salon hair salons and spas in the country. So very wow. successful, owns a bunch of small businesses. Um the other guy runs sales for uh, you know a fast growing startup and we've been friends for a long time. Anyways, we met this guy about four years ago who built an app that uh is in the payment space. Um so basically it's an app you can download on pretty much almost any, uh, POS software, POS, uh, hardware, uh, terminal, excuse me. Um, that that's out there. So we predominantly use Clover. Basically what this app is, is it's, it's a part of this big company. That's essentially a kind of a partner ISO for first data. So nothing, this isn't flashy. It's like, you know, nothing yep. bolts, ISO business. Um, what the app allows you to do is it allows you to pass the credit card fee onto the customer. Okay. Yep. So some laws changed. So they released this prop that used to be illegal, but now it, now it's not. Right. Exactly. So when you walk into a, you know, a liquor store and they say there's a minimum of 10 bucks, technically right. that's not legal. Technically right. now they have to offer a cash price or a card price. Right. Right. So this guy hits us up about four years ago and we get <laughs> kind of when they first started there. I guess you could just call it a licensing deal. So, hey, do you guys wanna go build a sales team to go sign people up for this for this product? So we get a, a pretty insane deal with them. We essentially get one, about a percent and a half, 1.4% of every swipe. So it nets pretty out good. to about 14 grand per million processed. right? So he comes to us yep. and says, hey, you guys wanna help, help us sell it. So we kind of tried everything we did. We thought, oh, liquor stores will be really good because we had built a digital ad network in some liquor stores uh, about eight years right. ago turns out liquor store owners really actually care about their customers and so they couldn't wrap their head around obviously telling a customer you know we're gonna add three percent to every one of your transactions so 10 conversations we realized that failed we tried to do a a few different ones again we were thinking bigger some people in vegas again just didn't work out so we kind of set it on the side and then COVID hits and our friend that's the salon owner hits us up as he's preparing to reopen the salon and he's like guys I think, I think it's time, I think salons are gonna go for this. I just had to spend 10 grand in PPE to essentially get my salon in compliance to get it right. reopened up and closed for eight weeks, whatever. So literally within two days, we built a little website. He started a podcast called the Everyday Salon Podcast where it's just like his journey of building a salon through the pandemic. Um, right. We did an interview on it and then we, got a hold of an email list of a conference for salon owners. And we were off to the races. We sent out an email and it was like, you said, at the beginning, it was like, we were onboarding customers like crazy. It was like, holy crap. How is this? This is nuts. We signed up about, I think it was like 20 salons in the first 30 days. And essentially it's, you know, 59 bucks a month for the app. We send them, we send them a free Clover device, whatever. So all of a sudden we go from this business. I think we had maybe one person on it making about 120 bucks a month to all of a sudden honestly, anywhere from about $7,500 to just under ten dollars a month in reoccurring revenue. The money was showing up in our account every single month, and it was like, huh. whoa, this is, this is crazy. Um, so we found the major problem was this. The major problem was that the inventory and booking softwares in the salon business are owned by payment processing companies. And yep. so, to use them, you likely have to use their payment processor. Their and so, no matter right. how much a salon owner wanted to switch, it would have required them to add an extra terminal. So they would have yep. to do the checkout on one terminal and then swipe the card right. on the other terminal. So we realized really quickly um, we're not going to be able to scale this really any further than just the random person who is down to to do this. So. Right. Um, basically we had somebody approach us a company that buys these books of business, right. For, you know, 15 to 30 X monthly revenue. Um, right. And so we were like, man, we spent no money starting this. (laughs) Let's pull the chips (laughs) off the table. Let's take the points Mm -hmm. and figure out what to do. So we sold it. So now we have, we still have the business. We have, you know, a few thousand bucks in the bank. We're trying to decide what do we, you have the entity exactly that has some money, but you actually sold, the recurring exactly revenue we business. sold the recurring revenue right. business because essentially right uh, you know which by the way i think was the smart thing to do okay yeah Th- that was what we were like because yeah
1: yeah because like when jack dorsey steps down from twitter and is totally focused on his payments company mm-hmm. when clover and this and like when all these guys are like just going gangbusters and changing the payments world
0: right. it's like You guys go for that and try and find something Exactly, (laughs) exactly. So basically we had this little business. We have a few thousand dollars in the bank. Uh, The salon buddy has now, and I think I've talked about it before, gotten into the RV space. So he bought an RV, he's got an RV YouTube channel, and now he's selling cutting boards for RVs. And he's just a natural, right? So he's like, guys, campgrounds, RV parks, they would love this. So we buy the domain rvpay.net, we build a little animated video, set up a one-page, you know, site, and go start trying to find email lists. Well, turns out, RV space, exact same thing. You have an RV park, you want to book your, you know, you want to yep. book it online, same thing. So, uh, and again, RV park owners don't, aren't. they don't got a lot of, I can't find an email list anywhere. You know what I mean? Right, sure. So sure. basically what we're trying to figure out is, can we somehow do this again? None of us have time to do this more than, you know, an hour a week, if that right now. Um, right. There's about 3,000 people nationwide on this product. So there's, it's kind of getting some adoption. Um, people that are doing it are like auto shops, restaurants, car dealerships, plumbers, right. handymen. Um, right. So we're kind of going, do we, you know, set up RVPay.net? Do we set up, puppy pay and go after you know you ready yep yeah done Kill it. <laughs> Call it a day call it a, call day, it a day split the money shut the thing down but, go out for a nice steak dinner and you know. be done with it and so there's no value in getting this to a place where we could maybe have someone come on to run it and just get the money in the mailbox sure. it's you just not worth you
1: guys it you, you said it you got an hour a week how are you going
0: how are you going to change the world with an but hour we week? did it with an hour a week at the beginning yeah but now then you hit a wall right okay so we made a gamble we had fun it was one of frank's points extreme focus right right so the idea here is is the payoff of the of the of the lack of focus it will create makes it just a complete a complete waste i mean
1: unless you want to dump everything and do this full time and throw your whole heart and soul and there's three of you that want to right. do it that's the problem none of us do bam but the, but the money to... was
0: good every month okay 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 i get it i get it okay well, you should have just kept it
1: and then just take the 10 grand and split it up and just let it be its thing right
0: right okay what about one more one more option one more option (laughs) (laughs) yeah what if i what if we find a so the reason we got these first salons is because this this guy had a voice (laughs) in the salon industry and he he had friends so do we go find a influencer in the plumber space and just go to them and say hey we've got this thing we'll give you 50 percent there's no influences in the plumber space. Like, is, gotta what be. is there? Plumber crack. crack there, there's, plumber, gotta there's, there's gotta be. There's gotta be.
1: Okay, so you're, so you're so
0: doing... you're telling me. A m- <laughs> so you're telling me it's a waste yeah, of time. Yeah. Unless you're gonna, do, this is what you want to do for the next five years. Which it's not. Know. It's not. This has been it's the problem. It's been sitting dormant. Now I think we sold it in the su- over <laughs> the summer. And is there money in the bank? Yeah. Yeah. Liquidate it. Give it out to the partners and go and have a big stake. call it a day. Okay, cool. Okay. Okay. RVPay.net massive failure. Thank you. No. <laughs> Just put it all Boom. Okay. Feels good, man. Killing those good men kill them. Exactly. Things. Killing your darlings. Right. I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Last, last topic. We got some listener questions. Okay. So posted yesterday asking about some listener questions. Okay. Uh, number one, is it possible to build a business and have a work life balance? If so, how hustle culture is a big yes. thing. Um, yeah.
1: Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I don't know. When you're starting, there's no work life balance. You're just working your butt mm-hmm. off. So, like, if you're coming in, like, oh, I'm going to start my own business and I'm, I'm going to, you know, get some revenue and I'm going to have an easier life. It's just, it's just not, I've never seen that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there places where you get to where the business is at a cool place and you're making a profit and you're not, you know, doing 100 hours a week? Yeah. Yeah. At some point. Mm-hmm. But don't kid yourself that you're going to have this business
0: and not have to work your butt off right right so how do you you know how do you check out or do you just never check out because i'm i'm around you a fair bit you're you're fairly not stressed and laid back and you have a lot of fun for a guy that has a lot of you know in those moments are you just shutting it completely shutting it off and you just know when to turn it on it's it's going on in your mind all the
1: time but you do have to have hobbies Mm -hmm. you know in, in the summer, man, I I block out Friday afternoon. I go play golf yeah. with some friends. Like I just do it. It doesn't mean I'm not thinking about stuff or picking up my phone. You know, I try and turn it off. So yeah, you know, like in, like at the moment, I'm trying to ski. You know, on a Friday afternoon too. Like it's just so you need some hobbies and some outlet and and you know focus on your family and take you know like there is you got to turn stuff mm-hmm. off. But um, man, if you if you want an easy life. And you want it nine to five, you're not starting a business. Right. It's just it just doesn't Get work. Get a good like job so and enjoy it. Yeah. The whole work life balance thing is it's all relative too. what's balance for me? Like, you know, might be just totally ridiculous for someone else. Balance for me is, you know, up at five thirty ish, six, mm-hmm. and we sign off at about six. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a twelve hour day. Now I'm I'm not like all day, every day, you know, taking meetings, doing stuff. I'm reading, I'm researching, I'm, you know, in meetings, I'm listening, you know, I got like I got four meetings today, Mm -hmm. you know, after we finished (laughs) this. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's a a way to manage yourself, your heart, your time, your emotions to be able to do this for the long term and you just got to work out what that is for you. Mm -hmm. Recognize when you're getting a bit burned out, when you're frustrated um, and be self-aware enough to be able to, you know, put the tools down and go and take a break. Great,
0: great. Question number two, what is the difference between healthy ambition and unhealthy ambition? How do you tell if you're heading into a dangerous direction, you know, struggling with greed or any of this? So this, I guess, is more of that, you know, kind of like spiritual, like, how are we looking at this? What is our motivation? What's the difference? Like, if you're a Christian, like in out in this context of what we're talking about, we're talking about
1: believers building businesses. You have to have the perspective of, you know, I'm a steward. Mm -hmm. Everything I have, God has entrusted it into my care, and I'm going to steward it for a while, and then I'm one day I'm not going to be here anymore. And hopefully, I've stewarded well what He's given me. It might be a big thing, might be a small thing. Um, so I, I think there's def- this is a this is a differentiator. I would say of those of us who are believers and want to build businesses, our motives are a bit different. Hmm. If your motive is to only get rich, you've missed the point. Hmm. I, I think as a, as a believer. If your motive is to uh, build a company that can provide great jobs, great services, and build wealth that you could actually, you know, give away um, in accordance to what, you know, you're really passionate about, um, I think that's the posture you want. Mm -hmm. So, you know, look, humans are funny. You you put money in front of people that don't know how to handle money and they're not gonna do well Mm -hmm. with it. And hopefully, you know, We're positioning ourselves as believers really in line with, you know, what Jesus talked about as uh, stewarding what he gives us and making sure we do well with it and then making sure we're generous Mm -hmm. by helping others, helping the poor, building the kingdom. That's the whole point Mm -hmm. for us, right? That's what we believe. So make sure you're doing that. And don't wait to give until you've got a lot. Mm -hmm. Start giving small amounts early. You know, I'm a believer in 10% being a good Mm flaw for generosity Mm -hmm. in the New Testament. But if that's like crazy, if you start at 1%, mm-hmm. work your way up. Yeah, it's a, it's a muscle and, that's built, you know? It really yeah, is. 100%. It, yeah, 100%. And, yeah. And if you keep that the main thing, then you don't get prideful. You don't get greedy. You don't make wrong decisions driven by greed and money. Mm-hmm. And it just, just keeps your heart right mm-hmm. in the whole process, mm-hmm. you know? Awesome. And like it's pretty clear when Jesus says, hey, if you can't be trusted with small things, how can you be trusted with big things? And that to me says, hey, like – if you can be trusted with a $100,000 a year business where you're generating 100 grand and you're giving 10 or 20 of it away, maybe I can trust you with a million. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's the p- perspective we've always got to have.
0: Okay, so uh, just because you kind of mentioned it, uh, I think this is a good question. <laughs> and maybe this is getting into a different kind of territory. You said generating a 100 grand a year business and then being able to give away. What are your beliefs on giving slash tithing out of a business. Uh well I believe in yep. it putting aside the legally well, old covenant, right.
1: covenant, like we it's no there's no need to have that debate because I think it's a moot point. Mm-hmm. The point is, and there's many in the New Testament, there's a lot of scripture around um giving not just ten percent, mm-hmm. but much more. Mm-hmm. You could argue that Jesus wants everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's get over our ten percent thing. Yep. Old Covenant, boom, Hebrews, Melchizedek, Abraham, right. like, you know, I'm happy to have conversations right. about that. Right. But the, here's the point. Am I going to live for God and submit to God? And is He does he own everything? Mm-hmm. And if my view of giving in both an Old and a New, New Testament sense is giving is a mechanism for me to, in reality, keep God first. Mm-hmm. So if I can keep God first in my money, that's going to, because where my treasure is, that's where my heart mm-hmm. is, right? Mm-hmm. So giving to me is a, is like a triggering moment for me to keep in alignment with God's plan and will for my life. One, two, it's almost like God's management system for humans to keep them, you know, keeping him first. Two, it's to then go and do things that are good with it. So I'm giving, we believe giving to your local churches, you know, important because we believe the local churches where the gospel is preached, ministries, you know, beyond the local church for sure. Um, that giving to kingdom building business is, I think, something that every Christian should be involved in. Uh, and then we're commanded to to help the poor. Mm-hmm. And so um, what are we doing to help? I'm involved with a few different charities that help inner city kids in the area of arts and You know, just there's no rules on what you should be Mm -hmm. doing. Just find someone who's doing something that you agree with and you're passionate about and go and give them some money.
0: Um, And that's, that's so that's my stand on the whole thing. Great. Lastly, um, what characteristics should I look for in a co-founder? Now, we've talked a lot on this podcast about some of the more practical characteristics. So sales versus product building. So this person didn't necessarily clarify, I guess, what I would love to ask is more uh, like character type stuff, uh, mindset type stuff. So uh, anybody can find someone that's talented. Uh, What would you say about um, kind of the stuff beneath the surface in looking for a co-founder?
1: I mean, beyond the obvious of like um, someone being more skilled than you at another thing, right? That's probably the the first thing. You you don't want two co-founders who have the same gifts. You know, you want to have co-founders that are all different, have different strengths. So that's the obvious one. But I I think you said a word there just around the character. I think, you know, you're going to be, it's like a marriage. A co-founder is a marriage and you better enjoy that person. And you better enjoy being around them and you better have the same values. Like, you know, if if you're a believer, you don't have to have a Christian as a co-founder. But you better have someone who believes in the things that you value: right. family, honesty, generosity, integrity. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, like you—you got to have people that drive with you uh, around the areas that that you, you know, you're going to die on certain certain hills around your character mm-hmm. and the way you want to do business. So that's really important. So the, there's the skill difference. Obviously, you want a different strength kind of partner but you want to be aligned in your values and how you want to do business. Otherwise you're not going to get through the tough times because it's your character and the values that you are committed to. That's going to keep you staying the course through the toughest parts of the, the journey of growing your company. And if you're not aligned on those things, that that's just going to be really hard. You're not going to really do well. So, you know, have different skills and definitely, but have alignment of, of character and values. Great. Awesome.
0: Well, as usual, this was fun. Yeah, another man, Thursday morning, another episode, episode eight. That's wild. Wow. Already. already. Really, really. Um, we, uh, and you did an interview. We did a podcast interview for the mission and margin podcast earlier this week. Yeah. So that'll be on this yeah. feed as well and have a couple of cool interviews lined up for the next month or so. So um Great. only going to keep having fun on this. Dean, Absolutely. as usual, thanks for the time, man. Thanks. See you. Yep. Talk to you soon.